0: goodness truth and beauty come first tell truth and shame the devil would thou not happily say truth needs no color with his color fixed
1: but wonder on till truth makes all things play
0: <laughs> that means very sober. okay here yeah. we go i hope we can do this
1: All right. I think we can. Can we do this? We can. Uh, Apologetics Unplug is what we're going to do, or we think we can do it. Um, Welcome back, everybody. Uh, We are going to do a series on transcendental principles. We attempted to do this a while back, but me being the, I guess the unknowingly, I'm a perfectionist and I wasn't pleased with the way they turned out. So we are going to try to take a stab at it again. Uh, so as Clint is here with us, now we as have always, and then, with us. and then we have one of our good friends, Eric, and he has joined us and he, um, these are, this is right up his alley. Um, this is something that he is pursuing at, at a, even at an academic level, um, well, philosophy, and of course, what we're going to be discussing is very much philosophical in nature. Don't turn people off already. Exactly, uh, but but and when we say that philosophical in nature, we're not talking about pondering for the sake of pondering or sitting and questioning whether or not what the universe exists on the left side of a ping pong ball or whatever paraphrase I'm using for building <laughs> more or less. Did you see that? What we're yeah. talking about is you know thinking well. And that's really what philosophy is about. Ultimately, it literally means a love of wisdom. And as Christians, we do love wisdom, or we're supposed to. Um, and so that's what we're, we we want to talk, and we want to talk about this in particular because um, these are the the transcendental principles: truth, goodness, and beauty. Are are fundamental components should be fundamental components in the Christian thought process. And we're seeing that our culture at large has moved away from these things. Um, And I think as such, when the culture is doing a certain thing, the church should react well uh, and not even react, but also be proactive in how they go about representing these things. So that's why we want to talk about these issues um, so we can hopefully um, think it through and, and know it better in our own lives and also to help those people that are listening uh, think about these things well and live them out better in their own lives. So um, we'll, we'll go from there. Well said. <clears throat> okay.
2: Is it fair, would I be fair if I said that we could divide people up, that we could see people in two categories in this sense when it comes to these, this topic? That there would be those, like us, who would say that there are some true things. That there are things that are true by nature, that things have natures the way that they truly are and ought to be. And that there are things that are true beyond simply our having declared them so. Our perception. They're they're above us, beyond us, they were true before us, prior to us, and after we're dead, they'll still be true. And there are other people who don't think that way, and I might even put it this way, no longer think that way, since I think that I think that used to be the way most people just assumed things were. And that now there are people who disagree with that and say, in fact, nothing is true beyond us, before us, outside of us, and after us. Truth is a label we attach to that which works for us, or pleases us, or... Brings social cohesion, and that we are dealing now with two different, with a way of thinking that is separated from that. Which, in your intro, you made clear that's problematic, Mm -hmm. and we're going to agree that is problematic. Yes. And so, I mean, is that too simplistic to 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 begin there? No, actually,
1: I don't think it's simple. I think it's simple, but in the sense that it's elegant and it succinctly explains. What we're what we're addressing. Well, I
2: myself so. am very elegant, so <laughs> well, I, you know, elegant Clearly, as in like the
1: mathematical it. sense. Elegance is. I'm wearing a velvet robe the, the right The fewer now. fewer numbers you have to use to arrive at a proof, mm-hmm. the better. So that's kind of what I'm getting at there. That How about Eric and sync. Eric yeah. the elegant, speak and eloquent, up. and uh, the, well done.
0: Nice alliteration there. hmm Yeah. So um, just to piggyback on what Carrie is saying here. Um, Yeah, I think this is a very important conversation. Uh, Even though it is philosophical in nature, um, it's very close to home. You know, a lot of people, they tend to think with their philosophies rather than about them. And that can get us into a lot of trouble in our thinking. And so, um, yeah, this is a very, uh, very good subject to broach and to really uh, mull over into trade back and forth so we can get better in our thinking. And so, yeah, to agree with uh, Clint, there are two types of people, basically, in our society and in our culture today, um, where some individuals believe in uh, objective truth and objective meaning and uh, actual goodness and even actual beauty. But then there are others who have completely subjectivized these things to the point where we can no longer uh, discuss these issues meaningfully. And... um, I'd like to point out that both groups actually um, do take their own particular beliefs seriously. It's just that one says that, um, uh, or one tries to make you think that they don't. And uh, that's sort of the trouble here. And that's what we're trying to get at, I think.
2: So I guess we would, if we're going to sort of do these in a systematic way, one at a time, you mentioned three truth goodness beauty these are sort of classic mm-hmm. air spheres of of transcendence that really everybody recognizes and they're part of everyday life for everyone so if we look at them individually i guess what we start by talking about truth mm-hmm. what it what is truth i mean as if we as if, if if anybody listening to this didn't already say oh this isn't for me then, my, then that question right there, maybe that'll get you to shut it off, right? Mm-hmm. What is truth? Uh, although that's a biblical question. It though, is. I might add. Quid
1: es veritas. <laughs> that's exactly right.
2: <laughs>
1: Do they speak yeah. Latin in what? That's I've used right. that joke several times mm-hmm. in our podcast, but right. anyway. <clears throat>
2: uh, yeah, pilot, right? I'm just making sure everyone's yeah, yeah. on board yes. here. Pilot, the, 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 the governor. What do you say, Governor? Mm-hmm. Governor. So it's a biblical question, but of course we are talking about it in such a big and broad sense. So how should we approach that? Starting with just the concept of truth itself. Well, how we define it.
0: I think everyone believes in such things as true propositions, but whenever we hear the denial of truth, what people are denying are uh, or, or is ultimate truth. And when we talk about ultimate truth in philosophy, we're talking about Um, Truth that goes beyond the scientific world, the natural world. We're talking about uh, truth in the metaphysical world. And that's what people are today denying. And so what is contained in the metaphysical world would be um, moral propositions as well as um, philosophical propositions. These are no longer regarded as being actually true, but rather they're just being regarded as opinions. And um, this, I think, has caused a lot of trouble in our day.
1: It's interesting. So that what you're saying, there's a shift, really, from what in the empirical realm or the, this sort of lower story or the phenomenal realm or whatever, um, as Kant would say. But that now is sort of the objective truth. But yes. The things above that, well, that's what, it, it's a flip it's where once the objective nature of these things was what guided our understanding of what of these things it's sort of flip-flopped to where Uh, that's now opinion
0: i think the reason why we're so uh susceptible um to denying objective truth or philosophical truth and moral truths is because we can get away with it very easily without any consequences um, or immediate consequences because
1: there's right no now. way to empirically demonstrate exactly. these. It, or that's the charge. Yeah, there's we, no way to empirically demonstrate it.
0: We 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 don't do this sort of uh, this sort of business with our finances or, you know, with uh, with our math or with our sciences
1: or with our prescriptions at the drugstore. Exactly. We want that stuff to be accurate.
0: Exactly. Those aren't just mere opinion. We make sure that our eyes I believe are a living in living prescription. Yeah. it means the words mean what I think they mean for today. Exactly. Yeah. And um, this is all started because of a denial of uh, these transcendentals that we're talking about truth, beauty, and goodness as being objective. These have been um, consigned to the realm of mere opinion or uh, religious activity, even. And so.
1: And there's the rub right there, because really, that's what you're getting. That's what it's being tied to, because when you do start. I believe this firmly. When you do start to view truth, goodness, and beauty, um, and you really you start to, to think of them and, and really try to understand them, you will ultimately arrive at god you will ultimately that is the only place you can go so that's why even in you know philosophy at the academic level there's not really that much you know what i mean um unless it's christian philosophers but you're not really seeing that at secular universe i haven't anyway from the lectures i've been listening to from cambridge and oxford and it's just kind of like man if you don't like even the they've idea, gone that way if you,
2: if you think the i just the, <clears throat> even the general idea of god anything above us and if you don't like that if that makes you uncomfortable if you think you know I'm so far beyond that, then you're not going to care much for these transcendentals for the reason you said they just keep pointing you that way, and incidentally that is why even pagan Greeks see pagan you know from the point of view that no revelation outside the sphere their of time, natural of, revelation of, but those guys that, who were who were just uh you know, exceptionally perceptive and human, and took and more inclined,
1: had the natural disposition and gift to think That's well right. about things. They
2: end up being very. They end up talking in religious, in they theistic sure do. language. They sure They can't help it. Uh, they can't put their human. finger on it. And they, yeah, <clears> they <throat> can't name it. You know, Paul walks through their capital, and what does he say? I put a name on him. Yeah. But you know him. You sort of do. You don't
1: you really Yeah, because it's interesting. You look right? at the at, at think of Socrates and and who's often occur, uh, accused of being an atheist, but that's because he rejected, uh, pretty much rejected, rejected the, the polytheism gods. But but, but, yeah. but you still have to contend with well, what about the 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 demiurge, the one, yeah, the, the good? Romans, what do you what do you originator. do in all of all of Plato's? It's woven. The everywhere, difference in it's those everywhere. two is
2: they those thinkers came to their understanding of this demiurge idea, this sort of nameless one this god from all their, which they all came forms not from tradition and ritual and upbringing mm-hmm. and all of that they came to that through reasoning
1: mm-hmm.
2: because right. and through human experience and deep and into looking god, and it, thought it, about it, what it, about these transcendental right. things yeah. they looked at life and every and they just keep seeing arrows pointing up
0: they they took such things as justice seriously they took such things as uh moral excellency seriously. Um, and it turned them straight to God, some, a transcendent being who bestowed these wonderful gifts upon humanity to help us guide our way through this life, to help us um, develop wise decision-making skills. And um, today, these, these sorts of practices and these principles have all but dissipated Um, as far as people taking these things seriously goes
1: Mm -hmm. and see what's interesting too about them arriving at some sort of theistic system because that i think you can look at that and, and say that you know they have arrived at the fact okay there's the well with plato there's the forms there has to even be a source of the forms and to arrive at that but yet because it wasn't the the one true god that did impact their thinking in other, like even in social ethics. Like you want to think, wow, these guys were really, I mean, they did think well about it, but they were, they were so far off the mark on some things and that's because they were only looking at like the, the shadows themselves of the, the, the shadows, they were still in the cave on who, uh, the one true God was. And that's kind of what we're getting at here, or what we're going to talk about, that the one true God, when we talk about truth, goodness, and beauty, and and what makes things so, what makes something true, good, or beautiful, um, are, the premise and the conclusion is that it's ultimately the mind of God. And maybe what we're going to talk about here is well, what does that really entail? And at least that's what I had hoped, because I want to... In my own thinking, I want to better understand that. Like, is something true because God sees it as true, or is it true? It's not the the dilemma, so right. to speak. But you know, ultimately, what is the origin of the the uh, these? We, we we make the claim, we assert that these things are objective, but why? And I think that that's what philosophers ask a lot. Uh, not to say I'm a philosopher, exactly. you know, extraordinaire, but I have a bent towards that. And that's one of the things we do is we ask why a lot. So why? Why truth? Why is it objective? So that's maybe um, where we can go uh, for the last 10 or so minutes of this and then the next recording. So what are, you, what are your, thought, your thoughts well, on that? Well, it's interesting when you
2: first start to read people, one of the hardest questions, think about it, sounds like a simple question, but until you actually try to answer it. If someone says, what, what is truth really? You know, mm-hmm. um, of course, it's clearly some kind of philosophical question. No one would ever ask it normally. I mean, you wouldn't hit somebody up with that question no. in, in everyday conversation, but if in fact, uh, well, maybe Eric <laughs> Eric's like <laughs> Eric's like, died yeah, I think I would. I did it at the gas
1: uh, station I, when I, I was getting gum. You're like, <laughs> uh,
2: you I got could, change for a fifty. Hey, dude. Also, what is truth? <laughs>
0: yeah, I can I can definitely mark uh, a couple of few distinct times of when I did that. Yeah, it probably wasn't the most appropriate thing to
1: do. But sometimes it is or appropriate. Fitting. But I see what you're saying, Clint. But what what, what it, you well, it's funny thought? because
2: when when you you actually ask that question. I mean, just even to yourself, you have to admit, man, this is hard to answer. Without without sounding like you're uh, just answering truth by truth, or with you know, it's sort of like when you're a kid and they said, define this without using the word. In a sense, you don't want you don't want it to just um, be a cyclical, or you don't want it to just fall in on itself. How will I define the concept of truth out outside? I think I've seen some people define it in the simplest terms like this, um, truth is just h- uh, how stuff is. <laughs> and it, it sounds really colloquial, right? But that's really, you can almost reduce it in a, in the general sense. That's what you're saying. Whatever kind of truth you're referring to, mathematical truth, uh, logical truth, empirical truth. It's that which is. It's like, it's it's the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, in, in terms of uh, certain things are true because they can't not be because there, there's a necessity. To like them. there's they're no square circles true. type thing. Definitional right. truth, logical. Tautologies.
1: Truth, axiological
2: right. type. You know, geom, the basic stuff you begin with in in math, geometry, and logic. Sure. Can't not be true. Otherwise, we're in a bizarre world. It just blows up all thinking whatsoever. So they're true because they just have to be. But then, so much of the rest of life, is basically just correspondence, because right. we're just making our way through life, and we're just saying. If it looks like it's true, it is. If so, hey, um, this certain metal melts at this degree's Fahrenheit. Hey, that's true if that's in fact the case. Yeah. So it's whatever the case is.
1: And you say correspondence, which ultimately is what's known as the correspondence view of truth, and that means that the truth to reality, to that which is. Plainly
2: perceived reality as best you can... Exactly. Tell what it is. I mean, sometimes you can't tell.
1: Right. And now, and when we say that reality, and ultimately that's what I'm getting at too, when we're talking about that. So that's reality as God has made things to be. Um, as a Christian, that's what we arrive at. That, and, and God perceives something as true. But also after God has created things and there's the order and there's everything that happens within that, That is that which is. So the truth itself is that which is, which God governs. We're not saying God, you know, his hand isn't involved in it and all of that. But, I mean, we can, which is why we can ultimately say that it subsists within God. To some degree or another, you know, is yeah. that a right way to articulate that when we're trying Where's to say the take... theological weeds
0: now? Yeah. Oh. yeah I was going to say you said truth is that which is. It sounds kind of like a a simple statement, but it's a very philosophical. It, well, it
1: statement. is. It, it is very much so, and that and that's what I want to refine my own thinking on. Right. So, yeah. so what's your exception to it, or what do you want to to tweak on that?
0: Uh, nothing really. I mean, in the in its most fundamental sense, truth is that which is. Okay. It is pure being. Yes. And, um, pure being is not being, it has none of, or it has no, um, non-being in it. And so that's really, if you want to distill truth to its purest form, that's what it would be. So pure, but,
1: pure existence. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now,
1: how do we differentiate that though? Because the truth itself isn't self-existent.
0: Right, right. So um, when we say
1: pure yeah. being, and this is where it can get really Weird right. for people, and they're thinking, "Man, this is a bunch of stuff that's all yeah. over my head." That's the last thing we want to do. It's like I'm in school, man. But but how can we simply state that without knocking the mic over? How can we simply state that because we understand that nothing is self-existent apart from God? So there, that's what I'm getting at. Right, the right, tru- yeah, truth, truth is pure being. It is existence, right? But it still has, it still has its origin in something, right? And right? Um,
0: I think. Uh, This is where uh, Augustine helps us. Okay. Augustine. um, St. Augustine, he believed in such things as eternal ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think eternal ideas are um, very real entities. You know, one plus one equaling two. A cannot be A and non-A at the same time. At the same time time in the the same same relations. Mm -hmm. These are logical necessities. And I think logical necessities exist. Um, Modern philosophy has been spending the past century trying to consign logical necessities to a enclosed system
1: to dispel it exactly. it's it, like it's it's yeah i see you and say. i won't
0: get too much into that but um uh augustine he said that um these there are such things as logical necessities but what, from whence do they come do they just exist in the ether or just are they a, an essential part of existence and he said no because he was a good theologian and he said that if anything has a necessary quality or necessity as its quality, it has to be somehow attached to the mind, the, the person of the God, the being of God, the being of God. Right. Because we, because of the doctrine that we believe in called the sayity. a saiety, um, is the belief that uh, God has or it's the doctrine that he, God has being in and of himself. He is
1: in need of nothing. He, exactly. he and he in do, being so, he's the only necessary being. Exactly. Which now we're coming back into philosophical territory. Right.
0: But I think this is easy enough for um, people to follow if they, you know, if they traffic in theology. Some. Um, if not, then they. This is a good thing for them to learn right now that uh, God is and uh, he has the quality of aseity. and that means he necessarily exists. Who was it? Bertrand Russell. He said, um, "If everything must have a cause, then what is it that caused God?" Right. And we don't believe that God has a cause. We believe that He is the cause of everything. And yeah, we don't believe
1: everything does have a cause. We believe in the uncaused cause.
0: Every effect has a cause, but not every cause (coughs) Cause. necessarily has to have a cause.
2: At that point, um, Aquinas should have risen up from the grave momentarily to slap him right? yeah even and, and even, say, even aristotle that, for that brutal. matter yeah, even aristotle right. for exactly. that matter
1: that goes that that articulation of that not the truth itself right, right. of it that's transcendent and has always existed but the articulation of it again you find in a pagan greek right, right. you know and
0: so if God is the only being with a saiety, that's the only way to maintain orthodoxy if God's the only being with a saiety, and we find these logical necessities that seem to have this quality of a saiety, then they must needs find their origin or their connection or rather their, their subsistence yeah, their, origin. their yeah, life their, subsistence their yeah in God but how 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 do they have their origin in God well I think the best way to find out is to identify what these logical necessities are. They're concepts, and what's a concept?
1: It's a it's a mental entity. It's a product, of and what the does mind. it weigh? <laughs> right right no it's a heavier, product of the mind yeah. you're like you just say it i'm like it's a mental enterprise." sorry ah, no it's it's ah, a product I'm but no so, no you're you're to, so right though it's a product of the mind it's a product of the mind and yeah. it, it, it it's something that does not have and this is important an extra mental existence exactly. it is it, it is concepts necessitate a mind
0: right right, right yeah so um you could never find it yeah that is kind of what you're getting at with how much does it weigh or um, because, yeah, the concept, like it's
1: some quantifiable mm, thing, right? Uh, empirically, right. yes,
0: yes, exactly. It's not something that you can pick up and, and uh, observe empirically, but it's it is something very real, and it's something that you can put into practice in the empirical world. You know, uh, that's how engineering happens every day. <laughs> yeah, you, you won't get far in your empirical studies without those exactly.
1: concepts. Exactly, exactly. Get nowhere. Now, now, and he's saying that these things are ultimately concepts. And what, what 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 are your thoughts on that? What are your concepts on that? Well, conceptually speaking, yeah,
2: it's interesting because you mentioned the the modern philosopher, the secular, you know, so many of them in the universities today, they can't really dispense with concepts this this vital, exactly. this deeply entrenched, this universal, dare I say it, this transcendent. What can they? How can they live without them? And yet. They need to somehow have them without that mind from which they come, and that's their part. But the, and it's and I think we'll see this a similar thing when we talk about moral laws and their transcendent nature, basic moral laws. What what can lay down law besides my, a mind? You know, inanimate matter lays down no law. Right. And inanimate matter, how does it produce? Uh, well, you know, necessary concepts. Without which we can do, we can't proceed.
1: And that is where we're going to finish this episode. And then, so you're going to have to listen to the next one. Uh, You better listen to the next one. I hope we haven't scared you off because uh, I might even add a disclaimer at the beginning of this. Like, guys, there's going to be terms that you may not be familiar with, but please listen. It's of utmost importance. So, but anyway, that's where we're going to pick up on our next podcast. So thanks for listening and we'll see you then.